You are listening to the Passion Minded Mom Podcast for business-driven moms who want to talk about the stuff that matters. I'm your host, Kate Reuter, Certified Transformational Coach for Moms, and together we'll expose the truth behind balancing work while raising a family and have real conversations about what works well and what doesn't serve us. We'll discuss all things mindset, work-life balance, and wellness, plus taboo topics like money and guilty pleasures. For the nitty-gritty of entrepreneurial success as a mom, you have come to the right place. Hi, Mama. We have a very special episode for you today. We have Dana Malstaff on the podcast. Dana is the founder of Boss Mom and the creator of the Nurture to Convert Society. She's a mother, author, podcaster, content strategist, template architect, blind spot reducer, engagement facilitator, and movement maker. She helps moms with beautifully unpredictable schedules grow successful and sustainable businesses that don't take up all their time and keep working even when they have to step away to be a mom or any other important role. Please welcome Dana to the podcast. Dana, thank you so much for being here. It is a pleasure to have you as a guest on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm super pumped. We're going to have a ton of fun. Absolutely. So first, before we get started, I just want to say thank you for creating what you have, an incredible platform, a movement, and mostly for being an example for so many moms, including myself out there. So I just wanted to express my appreciation for that because it has been incredible to watch. Oh, thanks. Well, I I feel like you would probably say the same thing I'm about to say is I couldn't help myself. (laughs) Right. Yes. You were called to do it. And so you did it. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of us just feel passionate about something. And I don't even know that we know that we're called to do it. We just Mm. start doing it. And then when we see that it's working, then the entrepreneurial mind hops in and goes, Oh, I've got something here. I've, I've got something now I can be strategic about it. Cause I'd like to look back and pretend that I was super strategic about everything I did. Right. I wasn't, I was a hot mess all over the place, trying things out, testing out stuff, things not working, questioning my entire, you know, thinking maybe I should just give it all up and move to Mexico or do something like that. But I, I, I began to see that it was something real. And then I think that the difference between success and non-success isn't, isn't that everything works. It's that you see the 20% of something that works and then you fan the flame as opposed to spending all your time, time trying to make the things that aren't working work. I love that fanning the flame of that 20% that is working. It is yeah, bless so and release true. The other stuff, bless, bless it and release it. Cause there's a ton of stuff. Oh it. yes. I flopped on its face a lot. <laughs> it is such a part of the process. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that to kick this off. And so what, what else would you say was the catalyst to you getting started? I know you wrote the first book, Boss Mom, right? In 2015, And you created the Facebook group. What year was that? I was right around the same time. So I started my business because I I was, I mean, I know a lot of friends that they got pregnant. And so they, that was the catalyst, right? The catalyst of like, oh, I, I need to rethink my life. Mine was 
something that other people sense, which which is the company that I worked for um, had a big shift. The husband and wife who'd started were getting a divorce, right? And so there's this big like division of who hired who, right? And and I was just in a situation where um, I I was I had this opportunity to go out and find something new, like I could get this sort of severance pay and 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 move on. And that's when I decided I had a mentor who they had brought in to do this facilitation work. And, and he had kind of taken me under his wing and I had gotten that, oh, I could be a consultant bug where it's like, oh, he's like, you know, you can make so much more money if you were doing just a consultant for businesses. So I thought, well, now is the time. Well, and as, and, and as soon as I started that, uh, I got pregnant. Like as soon as I quit my job and I wasn't working 14 hour days, cause I was at the director level. So I had employees and, you know, was working all the time and on, you know, tr- I, I thought it was so cool. Cause I was like the elite on Delta where they'd bump me up to first class and it sounded super cool. And my, by the way, 10 years later, my idea of what's really cool is so incredibly different. <laughs> like my, like only working an hour a day sounds so much cooler than working 14 hours a day, but getting first class on a plane. Like they're just, my priorities are so different, but I started a, I started my business. My body was like, Oh, you're not going to work all these days. We should probably have a baby then. Cause we'd been trying and hadn't, it hadn't worked for like a year. We'd been trying for a year and just nothing. So we were like, Oh, maybe there's something wrong with us. And it was like, Oh, stress. You just, when you work all the time and you're only sleeping five or six hours a night, your body's like, maybe we should wait. So yeah, I got basically got pregnant and, and started my business all in the same time. So the first catalyst was that because boss mom would have never existed if I wouldn't have felt all of the dying loneliness and guilt and uncertainty of just having a baby, like not even starting a business, just flat out having a baby because the moment your baby is born and then you love it so much, but you also want it to take a nap so you can have a break, like your entire worldview of where your value lies and what the world and what's supposed to be in the world and like who you're supposed to be, it breaks, like everything shatters. Add into that, want to be somebody who doesn't want to be a stay-at-home. Like I'm envious of the women who do it and love it and find complete fulfillment in it because it really messes with your soul to not feel fulfilled by that to not feel fulfilled by just playing with your kids. I needed more. So add the messed up brain part of that. And then on top of that, like I I used to make a lot of money back, back when I I was at director level, I made, you know, in, into the, you know, multiple six figure kind of space is where I was getting. And yeah. So it's all of a sudden now what's my value. I don't make any money as a consultant yet. And I don't make any money being a mom. Right. But there's got to be some value there because I had to have to pay somebody else to watch your kids, but they're not paying, nobody's paying you to watch your own kids. So your whole emotional, mental idea of what your value is breaks. That's a catalyst. Like, because a lot of times then women are constantly, we're starting businesses, we're helping volunteer, we're doing all these things to try and figure out who the heck am I and where is my value? Because my kid loves me, but they're not always good at showing us they love me. They're more work a lot of times than they are fulfillment, right? And then there's those little moments where they give you so much joy, like your your heart wants to burst and you want to like smother them. And then they tell you to get off and you're like, well, I know, but this moment, I love you so much. And then three seconds later, they're horribly frustrating. Like that's the catalyst for boss mom. 
Like that was it. I felt this way. And I felt like I must be the only one feeling this way. And then when I started consulting, it didn't fix the problem. And then when I found a friend who said, you should write a book. And I, I was going to write a book about content strategy. And I ended up in the mind mapping coming out with this feeling. Like I felt so alone in this space. And when, when I put it out to the world and said, is this something I should write about? Everybody's like, oh my God, I feel the exact same way. We should totally talk about this. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not only not alone. It's like everybody. <laughs> that's how, I mean, that's how boss mom was born. Like is the fanning the flame. Once I saw something that people really, it was a real need, like not just, not just good business strategy, but strategy that, that doesn't ignore the fact that you have kids. Like that is a need. People are teaching you how to run social media and do things on business and grow stuff and be successful and have clients a dime a dozen. Nobody is teaching you how to do it while you have kids running around. I mean, it's, it's, and I, and I'm not talking like how to make you feel good about it. I'm talking about like, like actual business strategies of how to manage your time and run your business and build it in a way that allows you to actually hang out with your kids. Like it's just non-existent. Absolutely. You know, so many moms, new moms, I know, turn to the side hustle or MLM and they get involved in that way. And there's like a, a little bit of dabbling that goes on. But what I love about what you did, first of all, you had a great mentor, it sounds like, who gave you some great advice. And you had a good friend who was like, you need to write a book about this, but you created a business around that concept. So that's a little bit different than what we've seen for sure. A lot of moms doing at least the first that I've come across. So I know you mentioned that it's, it's more about fanning the flame of the 20% that is working, but what would you say, at what point did you really decide to go all in with it and build the entire model of your business around that? Yeah. Well, boss mom has been just like everything we have. I talk about clarity being iterative. It's the same way and clarity in your business and how your business grows is iterative. So my business has gone through growth spurts, right? If we're going to use the kid analogy and growing pains, all, all of those things. When I be, decided to be all in, in the boss mom brand is when I, when I ended up writing the book became this, this, journaling for me, right? Like, so I tell people, don't, you don't have to write a book to be successful. For me, writing the book helped me define my brand, define, you know, so, so instead of just having something and I, and I see this a lot with bloggers, like I'll often tell bloggers, like you've been blogging for a while and you've seen some success in that space, but you have, don't have a defined brand, right? Because you're constantly writing something new, but, but a book requires you to create a cohesive story, you know, a decision about what is it is the, you know, that you're going to leave as a legacy, of what you want to be known for and what you want to stand for. So for me personally, a, a book became the thing that solidified what I believe in. It solidified my opinions. It solidified my belief system. And, and so writing the book, what was my all in? Because then we started the Boss Mom podcast and we started the Boss Mom Facebook group and we and we became this brand. And, and up in, and even, even the six months or so after having it, I still had a Dana Mallstaff website because I, I didn't know how to merge the two. It even took me time after launching the book to go, no, I, I, I'm not Boss Mom in the sense that I'm the boss and I'm, I'm the only Boss Mom. 
but I am a representation, a personification of what all of these moms are feeling. And therefore I'm okay of being the figurehead of a movement, but it took a lot of mental work for me to go, no, but then I don't want to just be the only boss mom. So I should keep these things separate. So it even took me a little time to to give in to that and just allow it to be. But then even then we had a process of, I built the business on flash sales, right? I didn't have a ton of time. So if someone came to you when you've got a newborn and a two-year-old and you're trying to run a business and you're also a, a wife or deal with your health or do any of those things, then someone coming and be like, well, just you know, build a $2,000 program and do all this back-end tech and then do all these things and then do a live launch and, and then you'll be super successful. Like, I don't have time for that. So I did these tiny flash sales. I would do three-day flash sales with a tiny $47 product of something that I was like, oh, you have that problem. I'll fix that problem. And we did that ton and we ended up building a really great business based off flash sales. And then I turned that into a course and then I, you know, everything kind of put together. And then we had a group coaching program and we did all those things became the, you know, and then we started to do events but it grew off of me doing these tiny things that I would test, see what worked and all under boss mom. And then once we had all of that, then what came out of that was the, the nurture to convert society became this membership that, uh, in 2000, uh, the beginning of 2020 really separated so that because my ultimate goal, like everybody building something and they're all in my all in for boss mom is this movement in this this, this beautifulness of raising up these voices and allowing, uh, you know, women to have this space together, but also lift each other up, you know, in a business. I say, if we all hire each other, we just have six figure businesses. Right. right. Um, but also then have this space over here. That is the, that are what we call our nurture to convert system, which is, which is this, if you are a mom entrepreneur and you have an online business, then my, I recommend you run your business this exact way and build these systems this exact way and project manage in this exact way to only have to work 15 to 20 hours a week so that you can have time for yourself and have time for your family and be able to step away from your business and not have your business be crying over here. And so I've, I've you know, this all in is, is every six months to a year, I have to reinvigorate my all in and decide what my all in is going to be for that, that year and for the next five years. And what do I actually want? And what am I going to commit to? And what am I going to get excited about? And for anybody who has kids, those, that changes by the seasons of your kids too. Like once my kids start getting into this, a teen phase, you know, they're like five and seven. Now I'm going to want more time because they're going to be dealing with life things that are big and they're real and they're juicy. And I don't want their friends or their friends, parents, or their teachers telling them what life is about. I want to be the one, you know, imposing my will upon them. <laughs> and like, right. And, and Being the example. These, <laughs> yeah. Having these discussions and like, yeah. And I, and so I, I know that my all in will be different five years from now. You got that. See, you got me all ranty. Oh, that's not rant. That's passion right there. I love it. <laughs> well, and I, it's iterative. I did listen to that podcast episode. And I know that's a, the video about clarity comes from Nurture to Convert. And I actually took a, pulled a quote from that. You said, we can still build buzz, build authority, build our businesses and make revenue while we get clarity. Yeah, I, I, this is one of the frustrations I have. And, and for anybody building a business, this, I, um, I have a new training that I've been working on. And part of it is 
where I talk about like, what are the things that everybody's teaching you that's that's making it hard to be a mom and be an entrepreneur, right? Because what's hard about it is we just feel, we feel like we're the problem. So if you're running your business and you feel behind and you feel like you're the problem and that you'd have more success if you just did something different, odds are people are teaching you the wrong system. And the problem with the system everybody's teaching you is, is not their fault. It's that everybody's coming at you with different ideas and each idea requires a specific amount of time, a specific amount of energy and priority. And then they all just start stacking on top of each other. And then all of a sudden, in order to run a successful business you and implement all these strategies, you have to have a full-time job or 10 employees, <laughs> you know? And I don't know, I don't know about anybody else because you can grow your business any way you want, but I don't want a bunch of employees. I don't want to, it's already stressful enough to imagine that my parents are going to need me in, in 10 years. And, and my kids are going to then start having like all of these things are going to happen. I don't want more responsibility. Right. Like I want a nice, there's a nice bell curve of responsibility. I want in my business that I feel like I'm the, as impactful as I can possibly be without having so much responsibility that my business becomes more important than my family. I never want that. That is a very important like breaking point for me that I'm constantly looking at my business for. So going back to the clarity, everybody's teaching you all these things. And so what you end up feeling is like, you're trying to jerry rig all these things together and your, your aha moments that you have you feel like, oh, I watched this webinar. Oh, I did this training. Oh, I bought this course. I've got this aha moment. This is it, right? And then it's never it because clarity is, is grows. Like clarity is this, these stepping stones and it's iterative and different types of clarity give us one thing and often unveil another thing that we need. But we always think of clarity like happiness is this end point. And so we, we, we go out, we get this point of clarity and then we go, oh, good, I'm done. It can all start working now. And then we get this like, clarity hangover, right? Where we wake up a, the next day or a week from now and we're like, wait a second, that point of clarity was not it. That was not the knight in shining armor that was supposed to come and rescue me <laughs> from these other things that weren't working. So we go into these like stages of grief. We get clarity and we get excited about it. And then maybe it takes some work or it takes longer. And then we think that was supposed to be it. And then we get sad. And then we have, you know, and we get into this like toxic relationship with growing our business or growing what or yourself or whatever it is. And if we stopped it and we just started looking like we should at happiness, which is these moments that we have, we have moments of clarity that motivate us just enough to the next moment of clarity and motivate us just enough to take action to the next moment of clarity. But when we look back, we start seeing how that stacks up to being a really knowledgeable you know, logical, a, a person of authority in our space, but we have to know that the, this one's just to get us to the next one, to get us to the next one, to get us to the next one. Just like those moments of happiness, you know, it's a moment of happiness and in between it's a bunch of crap and then a moment of happiness. But, but when you look back, you realize you had a really happy life because we want to remember all the good times and how they carried us through the other times. So if we looked at clarity that way, then we would seek to constantly gain clarity in the moment and then use it and leverage it, knowing that it's just there to get us to the next point of clarity. And the great part is, is once you start really growing your business, the you could have a clarity moment early on 
that makes you a thousand dollars. You have a clarity moment over here that helps establish something that frees up an hour of your time. When you start getting into the big points of clarity and your business is really established, I can have a clarity moment that brings me a hundred thousand dollars. You know, I can have a clarity thing that that is bringing in the right kind of person. And I have this point of clarity of this new training, and it all of a sudden frees up months of my time. So it, it does exponentially grow and it gets bigger. You just have to look at it as one at a time. Mm, love that idea. You know what I think what gets in the way for so many entrepreneurs, but especially moms who have the kid dynamic in there, thrown in there too, is that they think they need to have all the clarity even just to get started, to take the first step. Yeah. No, everybody's a hot mess. <laughs> it's an evolution. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, and I, what I was saying, but when you asked me at the very beginning of like, when was I all in, I think it is important for everybody to see, like, they look at me and they go, you must've figured it out. And then it just all happened. Right. You're like, no, I didn't even want to name it boss mom. I was, well, I wanted to write a different book. Like I'd had already had two business names, one of which you could barely even spell terrible idea. Um, before I hit, you know, boss mom. And then when boss mom happened, I had all these other things and I didn't, wasn't sure what to sell. And I wasn't sure how to talk to people. And no, I, the only way your kids learn to do things is by pushing them <laughs> and telling them to go do it. Like, like you don't explain to them and have them take a course on walking. You just take them out and you let them roam around. And then you're the one that you get exhausted by making sure they don't murder themselves in the process. Right. And that's why it's good to have mentors. It's good to have people that give you boundaries. Right. They did a study with um, dogs and they brought them to a park and they sat them next to their master and it was in a huge field and they did it where there was no fence and the dogs statistically on average would stay right next to their owner. They put in a fence and the dogs would roam around and run. Like the the idea of giving this, this beautiful safety of a boundary that's big enough to play in, but it's it's small enough to feel safe. Like that's what you, we have to find. That's why communities online work. That's why programs and, and mentors work. That's why coaches work, whether you're talking about business or your health or parenting or whatever it is, because it gives us boundaries. And if we don't have boundaries, then we get so overwhelmed by all the possibilities of what we could do that we don't do anything. So you can, you do have to start, but I would say start by finding somebody to follow finding somebody to listen to and then only listen to the things they say. Like don't listen to 18 people and try and implement all their things. Just find one person that even if it's for a short period of time, you're only going to do what they recommend and try that out and see if it works for you. Then it gives you those boundaries. And then you can test it out. My dad would say, follow the script and you can't alter the script till you know the script. Because then once you know the script, you know what you don't like about it, right? Follow that person. And then the moment they start saying something that you don't believe, write it down and go, I don't think that way. I don't want that thing. And then you start accumulating a real opinions that are alternate from what the, the rest of the world or your industry are saying. And now you have a brand to build on, built off those opinions. And it's not because you did tactical things. You followed other people's strategies. And then from that, you came up with what you want based out of those, instead of trying to invent something from scratch. It's a way easier way to go about it than trying to invent, reinvent the wheel, as opposed to looking at every everybody's wheels and then making it better. Yes, absolutely. So what I love about that is that you talk about taking what works, 
right? We can look at all of the strategies and we can get the guides and we can get the coaches and mentors. Look at what works, decide powerfully that you're at least going to start in one direction and throw out what's not working. And that's what's going to build your own belief system that you end up sharing as you grow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I did that where I would do, I did launches and I built things that people recommended. And a lot, that's how I came up with my opinion that moms should not do live launches as much as humanly possible, unless you have a whole team that's executing it for you. And even then it's stressful. The universe knows, oh my gosh, the universe knows. They will throw everything at you from sick kids to broken water heaters to, you know, broken down cars to, you know, uh, schools getting shut down to like, no matter what, you know, like I, I, and I've done that because I've learned it because I followed other people's strategies and then went, oh, I don't want to live launch. I'm going to turn everything evergreen. What can I turn evergreen? What can I, I never have to, I can do pushes. I can have times in my life when I want to be more visible, but then when something happens, which sometimes does, I could pull back and it doesn't ruin everything. I still have all of these underlying systems that make me money every single day. And then instead of me waiting for six months to have some big thing, and now it's it's this incremental thing. So, and so when your kids need you or something happens and you need mental rest or physical rest or, or you need to push yourself, right? Like I just turned 40. I wanted to look as good as humanly possible. That means I needed space to work out because I did not do enough of it before. And, and think about my bucket list. Like I wanted time to, to, to reflect and think about what I want in life and what makes me happy and say, if I'm 40, then I want to start saying no to everything that doesn't make me happy. I want to say, what do I want to build in this world that's important, that's, that's going to leave a legacy? Like, what do I want to do? And if I didn't have a business that gave me that space and I, and I had done something in my business, by the way, that, that would involve me taking a time to do it and it was going to lead up to my 40th birthday, and the moment I started doing it and doing the live kind of version of it, I realized I'm doing exactly what I tell people not to do. I hate this. I, I'm not now me turning 40 isn't fun at all. I'm stressed out. I don't, I'm not looking forward to it. And I literally did a video and I shut the whole thing down and I didn't lose any money by it. Right. Because it was going to build on top of the things I already had. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do these things, but we're going to do them in a different way. That's evergreen. And then I'm going to push this thing off over here and we're going to regroup and do something different because I refuse to live a life or run a business where I'm not in control of how I feel. Um, and I, or, or at least how I am able to have space to react and interact with how I feel. Cause I can't always control how I feel, but I can control how I react to how I feel. And yes. that's what I want as a life where I have that control and I do not ask for permission to stop, start something. And I build a business that gives me that space. 100%. I love that. Just being able to make these powerful decisions as the CEO, right in that seat and have your back after making them. And not feeling like you're shackled to the business. You can be adaptable. And in the world of online business, we have to be adaptable and being moms in business. So I, I love that you shared that um, because there are going to be mistakes and things that we wish we would have done differently along the way. And it doesn't need to mean anything bad about us. I think so many moms, if something doesn't work, you know, we get to choose what we make it mean. And, and unfortunately our human brain wants to tell us it means something's wrong with us. And it's just not the case. Yeah. Not only that, I think everybody should know that nobody wants to hear an interview or hear a story where everything went right for you. Nobody right. wants it. Nobody wants to hear how everything in your life worked out. 
nope, nobody wants it. Like it, it, it affronts our, our like knowing that nothing went right for us as a human being. I, I remember following this uh, girl that was a model and beautiful. And I don't know why I followed her. Cause I just felt bad about it the whole time, you know, <laughs> but then you found out she had uh, something wrong with her back. And I felt this relief that she was a normal human being. And then this rush of guilt that I'm a horrible human being for being glad she had something wrong with her back. Cause it made her normal. And it's like, Oh my gosh, Diana, first of all, you have to get off Instagram, but second of all, <laughs> Like it, it is a you can't we can't help it. It is natural for us to yearn for other people to be just as broken as we are, and everybody is broken. They may not be broken in all the way you are, you are, and they may have successes in place. Like it's all this we're our own recipe, but we all yearn for other people to also kind of be hot messes like we are. So if you think going out and running a business and having it all work is the best thing for you, it's actually not. Making mistakes along the way is what makes you interesting. Just like I tell my kids, scars build character. It's the same thing with emotional scars, with mental scars, with physical scars, with business scars, all of those things. So, so own them, like get those under your belt and then learn from them and then talk about them because, because people want to hear that you made mistakes and you were successful anyway. That's what they want. They want to know that if you could do it and you're as messed up as you are, well, then I can do it, right? You're more of an inspiration when you don't do everything right. Yes, that is the power of the story is sharing from the vulnerability, sharing from the scars, because it's not just about where we land in the end. If that's all you see, then of course, you're going to be setting yourself up for disappointment thinking that it's going to start that way. But I think social media does tend to cultivate that, right? We see the best side of a lot of people and it can be very deceiving. <laughs> That's part of why I like podcasts. And I've always been a big believer in podcasts and also just the relationships that you build from that and the authority you build from that. I mean, I will tell everybody, I have not made money off of Instagram. I have not even made uh, all my money off of Facebook. I have made a ton of my money off of being featured on podcasts. I can correlate six figures in sales to multiple individually from multiple different individual interviews that I have done that just were the 20%, like the 80, 20 rules, a real rule, right. For all, all things. Oh yeah. And yeah. So it's like, you're visible online all the time. Try going out and being featured, be interviewed as an authority, you know, have good things to say. And then that lives on in the internet and is searchable and those, and people find that. And it, yeah, it's like, and you, and then in those stories, I'd much rather hear in, in an interview where I get to hear what went wrong. Um, and, and I've rarely even seen an interview and I wouldn't even listen to it if all it was, was how great everything went. We want to be relatable to people. So being human, is and relationships are about relating being human is you know the things that people look at their lives in the mirror in in the dark when nobody's watching and the things we think about ourselves are really sad and lonely like you know that the the billy joel lyric we're sharing a drink called loneliness because it's better than drinking alone like that's a real thing. Like we're all bumping around each other, like being with family, being these things and then constantly feeling alone and constantly feeling not enough and constantly wondering if, you know, why we can't be as good as whoever it is, or if we only had this. And, and I don't think that's going to change. I don't think something in the world is going to make us all just insanely happy 
people like the matrix movie where he says we made a whole crop of people where there was no sadness and no sickness and people couldn't handle it. It didn't right. feel real. Right. Right. And so we're always going to have that. So we've got to find communities and find people and be the people and, and inspire the people and motivate each other to go. Yeah, of course you're, of course you're a hot mess. We're all that way. Like, of course you're broken in these five places. We're all broken in five places, you know, and we can totally build whatever life we want in spite of those things, even yes. because of those things in a lot of ways. And then you start owning the brokenness instead of trying to hide it. And as a CEO and as someone who's building a platform and a, a very large Facebook group, right? You create a space where it makes it safe to show up with that vulnerability to ask for help, to ask for support, to show the broken parts and, and need help with them. And, and your Facebook group is a perfect example of that, where there is so much activity there and help and advice and from so many different perspectives. And I see it every day, um, just being in there. So I love that you've created that space for moms specifically to come and, and air that you know, and it's not that we want to hear, you know, dirty laundry all day long and complaining and whining, but just to be able to jump into a space and say, here's what I'm dealing with. Can anyone help out? And then you get, you know, 85 different ways to, to try to solve the problem. It's incredibly helpful and in a very isolating position as moms and business owners, but also with the pandemic, right. Thrown in that made the isolation even worse. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. We could, we could have a whole conversation on that. Yes. I, I, and our group is, we call it a think tank and, it, and it's for that reason. My, uh, some of my corporate background is in facilitation, question-based selling, um, appreciative inquiry, like these different forms of facilitation. And I'm a, I'm a journalism major, a broadcast journalism major, um, as my, as my college education. And so questions are key to me. Um, so we did create a space and we teach people how to create spaces that aren't based on what you can teach, but based on what you can ask. Um, and I'm a big believer that, you know, any therapist would tell you like that we all joke that you lay on a couch and a therapist goes, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? But if you got a coach, you know what you'd get? You'd get that. Well, tell me more about that. Wait, dive into that story. Okay. Well, why did you say it that way? Because it's, it's, it's actually, what's interesting about it is there's a couple of things. One, people want to talk about themselves, right? They want to, they want to tell you what they're feeling. They want to tell you what's happening. They want to tell you what they think works and doesn't work, right? We all have an opinion. So they want to share. Um, and then the other one though, is when we push information out, we try, there's a lot of online, everybody telling you to, to teach and do all these things. And there's an absolute place for that. And I would just say, Facebook groups is not where the, the teaching place is. Facebook groups are the place where good questions live. Now, if you're on Instagram, you could totally teach on Instagram. That can work. If you're on YouTube, YouTube is literally built for you to teach, right? You're not going to do a YouTube channel and just ask in the video a bunch of questions like that doesn't work. But in Facebook groups, which I think is prime place for mom entrepreneurs to build community, questions are the key. So the reason it's it, it works is because someone's not throwing out a tactic that nobody asked for that solution. Everybody, the, 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 everybody giving their advice, everybody gets to give their expertise, but it's all based around the exact question somebody's answering, right? And the questions are helping them make a decision in their business. You know, should I pick this cover of this? Which, so we build buzz by actually um, 
asking questions, right? So what we think is in order to build buzz and get excited for things, and we have to talk about it, but we don't. What we do is we ask questions where people start to understand what it is we're good at or the kind of ideal client we're looking for. And they go, oh my gosh, I'm that person. I feel that way. They start answering your questions about what they want, what they love, their opinions on things or how they would do it or which cover they like. And then they're going to go, that podcast looks pretty snazzy. Maybe I should start listening to it. When does it come out? And now a conversation happens. So what I tell people is, especially in Facebook groups, and I think a lot in, in, um, in the online space when it comes to posting something and then engaging is that you've got, it's the gateway, right? It's the icebreaker. It's, it's not the, it's not the thing. So we spend all this time trying to figure out the perfect thing to say, but when we ask questions, then we get this perfect space where people can engage and it becomes the icebreaker or the gateway. And then the actual relating and conversation happens in the comments, right? So if you're just posting things online and then going away and thinking that that's it, like the reason Facebook likes engagement is because it wants conversation. It wants to be the coffee shop you want. It wants to be the, you and, you know, your friend walking your babies in the park and what you talk about there. Like that's what it wants. Not all platforms care or, or reward that, but Facebook does. So if you're building a Facebook group, understand that what it wants is conversations, not just engagement. I think that's part of the problem is we say engagement, like, Hey, you got to get good engagement. No, no, no. Stop thinking that way. It's just going to make you mess you up as far as make things that start conversations. When you do that, now good questions start to become the only answer because how do you start conversation? You ask somebody a question about what they think or what they like, they wish the world would be like. And now all of a sudden we get, we have posts that are thousand, 2000, 3000 comments because people can't help themselves. I, I wish I'm in another group. That's like a fitness group. Um, it does a thing called carb cycling, which I'm, I'm doing because I have a huge love of bread. So I have to like figure <laughs> out how to monitor my bread intake. And, um, and someone asked, like, my wrists hurt when I do push-ups. And I had practiced doing headstands and handstands as a as a skill I wanted to be able to do because I see pictures of people doing it. I was like, I want to do that. And my wrists hurt. And so I had learned all these. So uh, I, I literally was like one in the morning and I spent a half an hour typing out for this woman, like all of these things, because I couldn't help it because I had an answer to her question. And I spent all of this time and now her and I can engage in a conversation. And yeah, so it's, like it's start conversations and we need more of them because we're all lonely anyway. So we might as well go out and have conversations of things we want to talk about and then just don't comment on things you don't want to talk about. Right. Put the filter on it. And I think what, um, one of the questions that came from my audience members when I told them I was going to be interviewing you was what was the secret, right. To growing the engagement on your Facebook group. And I think you just, you just covered it, right. It's that, you know, ask great questions and that it's a place to start that conversation. So it sounds like that's what was the key to growing it to 57,000 members, by the way, congratulations. That's incredible. Yeah, well, and we get most of that from uh, from Facebook because we do, We, I mean, the other thing from asking questions is that I am an abundance person. I come from an abundant space, right? Which, which when we think about nurturing, I don't need to be in your face in order for you to find out who I am, 
right? You're going to find out who I am because people are going to talk about me because I create a space that raises other people up, right? So now I do have to still be uh, forward facing in a leadership space, but uh, like if you're running something to help people run a business, we help other people talk about their business, but we do it again with containment. We do it, we have rules about, you know, we post all the time so that you can share your podcast so other people can listen to it so that you can share all these things. And so, yeah, what we, what we do is we do a really good job of creating boundaries. The fence. That aco- yeah, the fence <laughs> that accommodates our members to be able to do what they want, but where we get to make sure it doesn't go out of control, where we become a group where everybody's just spamming or doing whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the good questions. It's the raising other people up and the creating good boundaries. And that's, that's the key. I send my clients to your group to do market research. It's phenomenal. It's been phenomenal for my business as well. So like I said, thank you for creating it. But yes, it's a it's such a great space. So, oh my gosh, you've answered so many questions already. Um, I would love to ask a few fun ones, if it's all right with you. Favorite guilty pleasure? Oh gosh. Okay, well, I am, uh, I have an older brother. So really, I mean- during the pandemic, this all became a guilty pleasure. I did not get to indulge in. Uh, I love movie theaters. So um, they've opened everything up here. So I'm able to to go now. And it's even better because there's nobody else in the theater. <laughs> it's just like they give so much space. And we have all the reclined chairs, but I love a good sci-fi action tons of shooting, tons of fighting, lots of martial oh. arts. Really, like I went and saw the Mortal Kombat movie. Yes. I grew up with a brother that paid Dungeons and Dragons, like Lord of the Rings, all that kind of stuff. So Harry Potter. So I, yes, it's not just movies. I love a movie theater. I always popcorn, you know, like M&Ms and just darkness. It can totally reset my day. And I will, I'm the person that like went and saw the Titanic like four times in the theater and the movie (laughs) 300, like four times in the theater. Yeah. Like I'm a movie, a movie goer. So that would be my guilty pleasure. Love it. Okay. Favorite genre of music. Oh, uh, this one's easy. Movie soundtracks. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Makes sense. There's, I listen to it every day. I really don't listen to a lot of music that has words, to be honest. Uh, and if I could, I joke that if I could have lunch with anybody in the world, it'd be Hans Zimmer, who Mm. is the person who's written pretty much all of the best movie, like the Transformers, not a great movie, an amazing soundtrack, Mm. you know, like the Da Vinci code, the ending credits to that is a song to that is like makes you want to get up and build something. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, it's so amazing. The inception that, yeah, like just like all the ones I could give you a whole list of the best, the best of the best. If you just listen to the soundtrack within five minutes, you'd be going like, what am I going to build today? What am I going to do? Let's get it done. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. How do your kids describe what you do? for work. They describe my work as making money on my computer. (laughs) Literally what they do. They know I have, they call it, they say the boss mom podcast because I've had them do intros for me, but they've, they've legit been like, mom, we'd like that toy. I'm like, you're not going to get that toy. We're like, well, why don't you break out your computer and we'll go do something. And then we come back, you'll have enough money to, I "I wish that's how that works. That'd be great. (laughs) I just opened my computer and money fell out. But yeah, that's what they think. There they think I, I I have plans for incorporating them more into the business and I have plans mm. for a, a a offshoot of the business I want them to run so as they get into their teen years. I have all sorts of visions in my mind of getting them more involved. But yes, as of right now, I'm just a computer money making machine. 
Oh, I look forward to more of that. My girls will have to follow along with that, with your, what your kids do since they're the same age. Okay. So, um, what would you say your favorite thing is to do with your kids? Build forts. Uh, we have a lot of spiders in Sandy and California. So we, every couple of weeks we have to, we take everything off the beds to make sure there's nothing there, you know? Um, and it's good chance to like wash everything. So we take everything out and we build massive, like takes up the entire living room. Some, I think I've done it once where it took up the entire house and we just keep like clips on hand mm-hmm. and we have little stream of light, string lights. Yeah. That you put the, like that you put the batteries in so we can have lights inside and we, oh yeah, it's a whole, and my brother is the same way. My dad was the same way. So yeah, it's like, once my kids start, I can, I can pretend like I'll get something done, but the moment I see them like doing something, that's not going to have the right reinforcement then I'm, I've got to get in and do you use part. a broom in the middle? Oh, totally. Actually, okay. the Swiffer is way better because the Swiffer has the flat, has the flat part in the yes. Yes, I need to do that next time. Okay, favorite form of exercise. I know you mentioned carb cycling and you're in a fitness group. So what's your favorite type of exercise? Um, I am doing MMA training. So my goal is Ooh. to be a black belt by the time I'm 50. I am my next one, I thought my next one, I was going to get my orange belt, but they said I was one, one stripe short. So I'll be training for my, my orange belt in the next couple of weeks. And, um, yeah, I love it. I love boxing. It makes me feel totally cool. It also makes me feel like I could protect myself. And I like those, I like those, you know, sci-fi movies, those, you know, karate kind of thing movies. Intensity. So, yeah. Love it. Yes. Like I loved the underworld movies and the, you know, the, uh, what was the other one? Um, the Tomb Raider ones and things like mm. that, where I'm like, yes, I could save you. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, there were so many other questions that came in from the audience, but I'm going to be respectful of your time and just say thank you so much for being here. We're going to drop all of the links to your platforms, your Facebook group, of course, in the show notes, but tell us what you have coming up next. Do you have another book? What do you have planned next that you, you know, know of that might be happening in the next six yeah, months? Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to write another book, but instead, because we're about five years after my first book came out, um, we are instead revamping my first boss mom book to include a whole second part that lays out our entire nurture to convert system. So the first half was really about how do we uh, accept and come into how we're, we're being a mom and an entrepreneur and what that looks like, but it didn't have the system. Cause I hadn't invented the system yet. So we're going to lay in the whole system. I mean, it's going to come out on labor day because Ooh. it's the best boss mom holiday. Cause it's about business and then laboring. So it's, <laughs> and really for moms, if we're honest with ourselves, labor day starts our new year because it's when the kids go back to school and we start going, okay, I get to I get to start caring about myself again. Summer's over. I'm going to get back into it. So it's really the boss mom new year is what I'm going to, I'm dubbing it. Oh, I love that. I love that. And are your kids in camps for the summer? Do you have vacations? What do you have planned next for summer? They are in camps except Mm -hmm. for a couple weeks of vacation. Um, But no, I want the right to, I've built a business enough where I can afford to put them in a camp. And if I want to take them out earlier or keep them home for a day, I have that option, but I also have the option of totally sending them off. I love it. The flexibility that you have created such an example of what is possible for so many moms. So thank you so much, Dana, for being here and for sharing more of your story and just how you've created what you have. And, um, I know this has been really helpful to a lot of listeners. So 
Thank okay, you. Well, thanks for having me. This has been a blast. Oh, awesome. Well, I look forward to connecting more and I can't wait to get the new edition of the book. I will send you a copy when it's done. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Dana. 